You're listening to Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with me, Melissa Gonzalez. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Retail Refined, a market scale podcast with your host, me, Melissa Gonzalez. Today, I'm excited to have David Wilkinson, who is president and general manager at NCR Retail. As president and general manager for retail, David is responsible for creating and executing NCR's overall vision and strategy for the retail industry. He is focused on helping retailers thrive and deliver on their brand promise in a digital first world by leveraging NCR's unique software, hardware, and service capabilities that run the entire operation from back office to front end. NCR solutions accelerate the transformation of retailers around the world, helping them to leverage technology to better serve their customers. And I'm really excited to dig in on that. With 25 years of experience, David has helped many IT and telecom companies expand beyond their traditional business models. He has a proven track record of growing existing business models, as well as innovating new ones to fill strategic gaps and accelerate profitability. Prior to joining NCR, David held various leadership positions at leading IT and telecom firms, including Avaya, Nortel, and Verizon. In addition to his current duties, David is also member of the Board of Trustees for the NCR Foundation and is a board member for the Junior Achievement of Georgia. The goal of NCR Foundation is to advance technology through STEM education and the communities in which NCR employees and customers live and work around the globe. Thank you, David, so much for being with us today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Melissa. Well, I've introduced you a bit to the audience, um, but before we dive in deeper in today's conversation, the transformation in retail, especially also looking at that checkout experience, can you tell us a little bit more about NCR and your role there? Yeah, I I will. NCR is an interesting company. I, I think it's important to think about our businesses even beyond retail. So as a consumer, as you go about your daily business, NCR has three primary businesses that we serve. We serve banking. So think about consumer bank branches, mobile banking. So if you're doing check cashing or mobile online payments through your bank, that is is likely an NCR application. We serve the restaurant industry. So quick service and table service restaurants and, and the retail world. So if you think about knowing consumers and how they're interacting with technology, that's really what we're about. We're about a, a consumer interaction and transaction enablement company. So, you know, we're, we're much broader. We're a, so, a software-led company looking to really, like you described in the intro, run the store or run the consumer bank branch or run the restaurant so that our clients can focus on being really good at what they're good at. So if I think about retail, we want to run the technology in your store and that's where we're going to invest. So you can focus on being a really good retailer. There's so many things that are pulling our retailers' attention today that, that getting the core technology behind, you know, how do I ring up an item or how do I manage my inventory or how do I manage price files or get data on my customers? Those are things that they just take for granted and, and need to have table stakes to be part of the part of the game. And they need to look for ways to refine the, those, those pieces of information and create an experience around retail. It's becoming more and more important as we evolve what retail looks like in today's environment. So if we think back, you've, you as a firm have been known for your ATM technology. And today you're a leading software and services tech provider for stores, banks, and restaurants, as you mentioned. And yep. so, you know, tell us a little bit about how you pivoted there and 
your goal and really running the infrastructure so they can focus on their customers? Yeah, we've made a we've made a lot of changes, and like you said, we we evolved our our heritage a long, long time ago. Being a hundred plus years old was all around cash registers, so national cash registers. So we evolved from cash registers being a hardware company, and then into ATMs and being really a hardware company around banking and banking hardware. And now we have made that pivot to where the you know over you know two thirds of our business is software and services today, and hardware is really more of a purpose built appliance to drive that customer touch point. We've also made a lot of changes in how we organize ourselves um, in, internally and how we're focused on investing in software. I mean, that's our primary investment uh, that we make as a company is in software and software engineering. And we think about building our platform across both banking and then what we call our business services platform and retail and hospitality that forms that hub and allows our, our customers to evolve and, and roll out the latest technologies with a, kind of an API first strategy on the technology side. But that's really been our focus is, is how do we create software that allows customers to connect and consume services that are cloud native or cloud enabled in today's environment? Because everything's moving so fast. The, the old, I think about retail technology, we look at a lot of our clients and they'll, they'll readily admit this, the retail technology stack is way behind mm -hmm. uh, the times. And there's, a un, there's been an underinvestment in IT in the retail space for a long time. And I think we're starting to see more and more investment there but also as the investment comes in consumer facing applications, they have to upgrade the core to, to be able to enable those technologies. Right. I think, you know, making it more accessible to integrate um, with what you talked about, um, being able to tap into your API, but also seeing this increase of consumer adoption of technology and the shift in behaviors because of COVID um, happening so quickly, everybody, you know, is kind of scrambling to see, but also wondering which ones are permanent and which ones we think will snap back. So what trends have you seen in, in, in terms of adoption, um, which I think gives uh, more confidence to, to brands and retailers to integrate the technology? What do you think is here to stay? Um, what do you think are more permanent changed behaviors? Yeah, it's, it's been interesting because like you said, we've seen all types of, of changes. When the when we first had the pandemic and we'll call it the lockdown around the world, I mean, we, we focused as, as NCR, we focused on our employees and then we said, okay, now we got to focus on our employees, make sure everybody's safe. Then mm -hmm. we focused on our customers and, and many of our customers, we serve grocery and big box, we serve convenience and fuel and we serve the specialty retail market. So especially retail was was hit hardest in terms of shutdowns. So we helped our clients and how, how do we how do they shut down and make sure that they can they can uh, really weather the storm, if you will, mm -hmm. for grocery and convenience and, and a lot of big box. They, they were essential in terms of what was happening. You had to get you had to get to the store. We all saw the the, the news stories or or battled the 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 dilemma ourselves in terms of fighting for toilet tissue in the, in the line at, I was the, on that at the grocery list. store. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I bought toilet exactly. paper right away. <laughs> and, and so when you, when you see what's happening, I mean, they were, they were all essential. So we, we, we serve and we, we maintain and we run a lot of those environments. So we were deemed essential during the pandemic. So our, our role was to keep those, those customers up and running to keep retail and commerce running in the, in the world. And really we had to focus on our employees. So that was, that was kind of step number one. And we saw, what we saw from retail was everybody retrenched and they kind of stopped doing all new programs. You would see plexiglass go up all over the world in terms of that was the protective layer between the, the consumer and the cashier. So we were helping with that. We were helping with doing antimicrobial coatings on anything that the customers would touch. And then 
we, we also focused on enabling mobile payments and a lot of our, our big clients. So one of the earlier things that we ha- we did was enable you know, a 5,000 chain retail store in the first week of the pandemic, we, we enabled mobile payments at their sites. So it was, it was one of those things where we were integral to what was happening, enabling mobile payments integrated to the point of sale, enabling touchless transactions. So when, you, when I think about what's going to stick, um, you know, I think we'll all be a little more spatially aware as a society, no doubt. Yeah. But but the things like, you know, queuing outside of a store and plexiglass being a barrier and all the other things, some of that, those things will start to, I think, break down. Mm-hmm. What we're going to see stick are the things that are really driving convenience and, and ease of use. So we saw a technology adoption that was amazing in terms of retailers that, that we thought would be behind for a long time, adopt things like buy online and pick up in store or home delivery or the things I described around mobile payments or digital wallet payments. So I think those are the things that are going to stay, the ones that are driving real convenience and ease of life and adding value in our day-to-day transactions. I think the the things that will then come back are how do we integrate those into an experiential retail environment? Because I mean, we all we all want to go try on clothes. We all want to touch and feel things. We want to pick out our own produce. We want to select our own meats from the supermarket. We, all the things that, that we've all been missing for a year in, in lockdown, we're all, we all really want those experiences back. And we want the convenience that we've seen in terms of buying things online and picking up in store, returning them more conveniently. So there's going to be this melding of those worlds that we've never seen before. And that's all going to be enabled by technology. Absolutely. I mean, we've been behind as a country when it comes to mobile payments and adoption of the digital wallet. What do you, where do you think we are in that inning? Like how much, what percentage of growth have you seen and where do you think that goes to in the next two to five years? Yeah, it's, I was just, I was just funny. I was just reading some research about this and I saw the, you know, they had 50 plus percent growth. The growth of digital wallets is, is growing faster than the, the use of credit cards, obviously. And so, you know, I think we're going to continue to see the, the adoption of, of, of what contactless payments look like. You know, we have, we've had Apple Pay in the market. We see retailers branding their own private experiences in terms of their own private branded apps. So, you know, we'll continue to see that grow. The, you know, again, on the trajectories I see, it's, it's, it's anywhere between a 50% and a doubling of, of the, the payments of, of digital and kind of digital wallet over year on year. So, I, you know, I think it's, it's definitely something that's going to continue to push. You know, cash, cash is kind of flat to down a little bit again credit card tap is now coming back into vogue in the US and like we've seen in other parts of the world so you know i think some form of digital payment uh, will definitely start to take hold we're actually seeing some retailers do some things around around cryptocurrency and the ability to accept crypto at mm-hmm. the point of sale and even convert cash to crypto at a point of presence, whether it's an ATM or a, a self-checkout that could take cash. So we also are a payment processor and have payment gateway capabilities as a company. So we're experimenting in, in all of those new applications of payments and, and what that will do in terms of disrupting you know, how, how we pay. But it's definitely, we're spending a lot of time because it, it is a massively growing segment of the market. No, absolutely. I mean, who, who do you think have been leaders in this category as far as ad- adoption and rollout? And we could talk about not just digital wallet, but also, I mean, crypto, right? I think because there's been so much <laughs> sentiment around, you know, is that a real currency and how, you know, how do we trust that? But you are starting to see that get implemented. Yeah, I don't, I, you know, it's funny. I, I'll, I'll take the second part of that question first, because I don't know that we've seen a clear leader in and something like crypto, we, we've seen, I've seen a handful of, of retailers, our, our customers specifically, 
who are experimenting with it in terms of things like ATMs for crypto or accepting crypto at the point of sale. So it's it's not a I wouldn't say it's a it's a massive trend that we're seeing yet, but you know there are some companies out there that have some pretty large uh, crypto ATM networks, and they're offering they're offering services that hang off of that. I think the the key will be how do we get to more of a stable coin, whether it's a a government backed. You see a lot of the things happening government backed to crypto or some other more regulated part of the crypto to make it a little more stable so that it doesn't have the volatility. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think on the other side, you know, what we saw in the, you know, a, a really good example, and it may not be that the most obvious, but, you know, Walmart has done a fi- fabulous job with mm-hmm. handling things like mobile payments and touchless during the pandemic. So when, when you know, they've got a, a pretty significant following, they, they, you know, they don't have a traditional loyalty program, but they do a good job of getting uh, usage in their app in terms of payment. So we're, you know, we're, they're, they're doing a, a really good job with, with driving, with driving mobile payments. Um, and then, you, you know, you, well, you've seen success uh, online with, with folks like Target. I mean, they're doing a, a good yeah. job with other, other forms of payment as well with the Target red card. So you know, we've got a lot of good examples of, of, of customers that, that we help in various ways in that payment journey. So, we, and, and both of those are, are customers that we, we work with in different elements of that payment value stream. I'm glad that you brought up the the in-app payment because there's always been so much conversation of when it's in-app, it adds friction. So what have you seen be kind of that formula for adoption and creating those frictionless um, opportunities for consumers to start adopting digital payment? Yeah, it's it's funny because one of my favorite sayings is online buying is good, but online shopping is not fun because... It, it's just, it's hard, you know, you can't touch and feel. It's not you, like we talked about earlier. You, I, I, I like to, you know, try things on or see things or, or, or just figure out what's happening and see the assortment in front of me. Right. And, and, you know, if, you, if you're shopping online, you can't, you have to know exactly what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. What I love about online buying is, you know, who I am, you know, what I've bought in the past, you know, what products are complementary to what I'm buying. And I've, I've given you my payment information. So when you go online and you buy and you're known, it, it it's a frictionless process. Mm-hmm. So I think what we're seeing now is that as that starts to morph into the in-store experiences, as I come in with a consumer, as a consumer, I can come in and either, if I'm thinking about a grocery environment, we just made an acquisition of a, a, of a grocery e-com company in January called Fresh Shop and it allows us to do online ordering of groceries and it can do in-store scanning and aisle scanning. And so you now you think about that experience where I know, hey, Melissa's in the store, you're scanning items as you go. I see that you have, uh, you know, pasta, tomatoes, oregano. It looks like you're going to make spaghetti or some kind of, uh, you know, other Italian. So do you need bread? You know, do you need a bottle of wine? So you can start to offer uh, real-time recommendations and offers and, and promotions and then complete your payment in the app. And so that that's where you really get frictionless. So where it's been friction is where it's another step. It's like a two-step process right. where, you know, it's just as easy for me to w- pull out my credit card, swipe it or insert it or tap it as it is to get my mobile. I actually, have to auth- re-authenticate with my mobile. But if you in, if it's an engaging experience and part of what you're creating as the in-store experience, I think that mo- that's when mobile payment becomes really powerful because then it removes a step altogether. There's no need to queue up at the front of the store if I have a small basket. I'm scanning it myself. Or I can go to a self-checkout device that, and I can, you know, I don't have to have any kind of interaction with the store associate if I don't want it. If I want it, they're there to help. 
So it, it, it creates a, a whole new world of possibilities when you can just complete that transaction. And, and it really, it, it comes down to customer choice. It, it's what do you want to do as a consumer? And I think a big piece of what we're doing is really about inclusion. So if I, if I think about a retailer uh, that's creating an experience, and if all I said was the best experience you can have is if you download my mobile app, it's like, you, you know, the stats, I mean, I'll talk to retailers and some of them are ecstatic that they have, you know, somewhere between a six and 8% download of their mobile app. Others that can get closer to 25, 30%, but nobody can get anywhere near a hundred percent of their, their shoppers and their mobile app. So, you know, you think about that and, and you say, okay, how do I create a similar experience in the store where I don't have somebody that's willing to download my technology. And that's mm-hmm. what real, our platform is all about is creating a, a set of seamless experiences, regardless of the consumer's choice of touch point either in the store or out of store. I think that's great. So do you work closely with them? What does an onboarding process look like when you're working with a, with one of your clients so that you can help them strategize what that experience should look like and how they determine how to add value for their customers? Yeah, a lot of, a lot of times it starts, we, you know, we have a, a, a big team of, uh, you know, I'll, I'll call them consultants. We don't always call them consultants, but that's the easiest way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, people that, you know, we have both human factors, engineering and, and, and design experts that can sit and watch, you know, we'll sit in the stores, watch traffic flows, get data out of the point of sale to look at transaction volumes, basket size, other things so that we can help design, you know, what that, what that front end, what the flow of the front end should look like. So a lot of it starts with, you know, understanding the retailer's current mission and customer journeys, and then leveraging, our experience, you know, we're, as the global market leader in self-checkout, we see most of the deployments around how the front end of the store is transforming to enable that more flexible front end, if you will, to have both assisted lanes or self-checkout lanes or some combination of mobile lanes. So, and then and then we would go into a, a bit of a technology planning around, you know, what's the right architecture? We and we take a platform approach to our architecture. We don't believe in a kind of a closed system. As a retailer, you're going to consume technology from a lot of different providers. So, you know, we, we want to help retailers uh, drive adoption of whether it's an app that they build themselves or a third-party app that they want to bring to the table. It has to, it, natively integrating that through through our API platform into the point of sale becomes critical in terms of velocity. And so we'll have a technology discussion and an architecture discussion. And then depending on what where they go, you know, the, the next step is if they're on something existing, we talk about a migration path around data or, you know, or if they want to redesign their entire store, you know, we have services available to do the, the physical work in the store, to do the installation, to bring them up and running, to do integration to their ERP. So the full systems integration work that we would do. So it really depends on the journey and it, or it could be as simple as, you know, in the, if I, if I want to deploy mobile shopping and I'm a grocer, I, we could drop in and, and a handful of weeks, we could have a website up and running, a mobile site up and running, you know, the ability to buy online in the app and then create a buy online pickup in store or buy online pickup curbside or even delivery because we have native integrations to third party aggregators like Postmates and Uber and other delivery agencies that we can work seamlessly with to create last mile solutions for our clients. So it could be as extensive as redesigning everything or plugging in a set of technologies if, if it was something as a simple use case of of buying online. Right. Gotcha. So being at a point where you could help pull that whole ecosystem together the way in which you described, what results have you seen? I mean, I'm, you know, we're still in early stages of this change in consumer behavior, but 
any insights you could share as far as like surprises in ROI? Are you noticing, for example, what you what you talked about with the acquisition you made and the ability to make rec product recommendations based on a recipe, or what what are you seeing from an ROI perspective? Yeah, it's it's a little early for the in-store product recommendation side, but when I think about just the ability to buy groceries online, what we're seeing is our grocery online grocery customers have a larger average basket than an in-store physical shop. Right now, our stats will tell you it's a hundred and twenty-two dollar average basket size, which is massive for for grocery. And and you know, I've had debates, arguments with analysts in the industry about what what that really means and why. We we also see the margin of that basket larger because customers are buying, you know, oddly enough, we see them buying more fresh produce on the, on the app and other higher margin. It's a weird dynamic that they're buying higher margin applications, but we, we have, you know, our uh, business impact and, and ROI when we look at the, the overall ROI of, a, of online grocery is that if you do one order per day incremental in a store, the solution pays for itself. Okay. So, what we're coaching on ROI is how do you create that buy online, pick up in store, regardless of what's happening in a way that doesn't, you, know, you can pick efficiently, you can store things efficiently, and you can create an operational environment. If, if you were to had to redesign all your store and rebuild your store every, for, in every store, it's hard to pay back in, in, in some of the razor thin margins in a lot of our retail segments. So you know, we're, we're spending a lot of time on ROI around you know, how do you operationalize it once you get the technology deployed. But right now we're seeing good payback on the self-checkout side. Uh, the ROI is solid too from a, you know, in all all segments of the market, really because of a, a labor shortage and the need to redeploy labor in the store for higher value added services. So, you know, if it now it, think about the, what we do as consumers now is put a lot of work back on the store because we buy something online and in the past, we would have gone and selected items uh, ourselves and put them in a bag or checked out. Now we ask the store to do that for us. So they have to do the pick pack and, 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 and carry it to our car or deliver it to our home. So there's a lot of extra cost there. And, and retailers are looking for ways to automate in the store to help that customer experience so that they can redeploy labor uh, in, in better ways. So it's not a, about a net labor savings overall it's really the the need for more labor in the stores is increasing whether i gotta stock shelves to keep them clean or provide new services and 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 we see a, a tremendous payback in, in what we're doing around self-service and other automation tactics in the store well i could imagine too the data you're collecting is also providing insight so it would empower them to utilize their staff in higher value ways as well as you're learning about customer behavior and trends yeah. So again, the the data is going to be key for for a lot of different reasons. Not only operationally, how they utilize the technology in the store, and how do you know traffic patterns and flows and peak times and and drive technology to solve those problems, but just knowing your customers. So if you think about what flows through our core point of sale systems, we have all the item file data in there. We have all the customer data, and we have all the availability. So linking that back to what's happening in the inventory system within the store to enable online transaction is, is one critical element of data. The other side is just linking, you know, the, the consumer and, and, the, and, and using our, you know, some of our loyalty engines in terms of how do you create the right promotions for the right people within the store. So, you know, loyalty is changing, uh, you know, your and my brand loyalties are very different in the pandemic world than they were in the past. I mean, we, we, we quickly would shift our allegiance and you're, and your race to buy paper goods, we, we would have gone anywhere that had them. 
And in the past, you might not have done that. And so what we're finding is retailers feel that same pain. They, they find that they're more people buying online, less people being brand loyal, and they're finding new ways. And so that's, that's all going to be about, they, you know, consumers want to be known. So this, that notion of one-to-one marketing is coming back, the, the ability to leverage that data. So we, we see that as a huge application of what's happening through our, through our data and our loyalty systems as well. I think that segues too into the point of, you know, when we think about digital transformation, adoption, catalyzing growth, along with D2C business models, right? And there was there was the retailer and then there's the D2C. What we see happening is that D2C is not just for startups anymore. That, that direct-to-consumer relationship is what consumers want, regardless of who the brand or retailer is. So, you know, how does this help support that connection? Yeah, it's... Uh... I think the the ability to do, whether it's home delivery or um, you know I, I, the recipe one was a good example that you brought up earlier. You think about the made to order food, and you know we're all been locked away in our homes, and you know we're we go to the, we're, you know we're somewhat tired of going to the store, cooking the same favorites. All, all so you know these 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 companies pop up like Blue Apron or other recipe in a box company. So now I'm a I'm a brick and mortar grocery store in this example. And, you know, I, I want to be able to compete with that environment. So I think that that's an, something where I created a blue apron that has no physical infrastructure and I go direct to consumer in some cases. And then I, I look at that and I think, okay, as a brick and mortar retailer, I could create experiences like that through technology and extend them as the in-store shopping starts to come back online. So I think, you know, what we'll start to see is that as the, as the stores open back up, as people feel more comfortable getting back into stores, that's the kind of capability that will start to bridge that gap. And, and I think, you know, if you had an app that, you know, if you, whoever your local grocer is, you know, I'm in the South and Atlanta. So Publix is a, is a big grocer or Whole Foods, you know, the ability to build a list or have recipe management and then add it directly to a cart and then maybe go into the store and finish it up or, even see a demo on, on how to, how to cook or how to prepare food or how to do whatever, pick up some fresh flowers or some produce or whatever. You know, th- so that, that whole experience is what will start to drive and, and you'll, you'll kill the monotony of the, I don't know what aisle things are on. I don't know how to build my ingredient list and I've got to rewrite everything. So there's some really interesting applications through technology that will bridge the, what was interesting about direct to consumer and what will be differentiating for the brick and mortar retailer as they create experiences and, and are, you know, the, the, the factor of proximity to their clients. For sure. I mean, if I think of this conversation, some of the ingredients for that formula to success is really thinking of convenience. And when you talk about navigation, that adds to that ease of ease of use. Um, and then a little, you know, in rewards, incentives, those that build on loyalty. So I'm being rewarded for opting into this and, you know, I, as you're learning more about me too, you're adding more value every time because you're understanding maybe what I purchased in the past and what I might be interested in. And I think we're still just in early stages of the possibilities of the personalization side of it. So, I mean, maybe we could kind of end there, but where do you think that can go in the next five years in terms of this change in payments and where we can go from a personalization standpoint? Yeah, you know, I've had many, obviously, many conversations with Zoom. I've actually had a couple of in-person meetings, which has been exciting. It's like the highlight of my <laughs> of my days recently. But with with retailers and and you know, every one of them, we we talk about the the volumes of data, the petabytes of data that they have 
deploying in their systems and how they're leveraging AI and machine learning to drive that, that personalization. So I think there's going to be some combination of all this data that people have been storing up and they've had a lot of time to, to, to spend with it over. And the, and the technology is getting so, so much better around what can you do with that data with predictive analytics and, and, and AI around it. So I think to your point around payments and, and it's going to be a convenience really a convenience play. And, and you know, we, we look at data evolution uh, in a couple different ways. One is you as a consumer will be over time in much more control of your data. We always talk about who owns the data. Well, you own your data. I mean, you're, you're the consumer. And if you want, if you buy oat milk and you want to be able to share that you buy oat milk with not only your, the grocery store that you shop with all the time, but if you want to share it with restaurants you know, Starbucks has recently offered an oat milk offering. If you wanted to share it across your personal network, that's really where personalization comes in. What information do you want to share? Because you want the best deals for you, not only the best deals from a single provider that is that knows your history, but you want to share your history because it's yours. So I think where we're going to see is we're going to see some kind of blending of consumer consumers owning their own data. And a lot of that will be driven by things like distributed ledger and you know, getting instant access to receipt data in a distributed ledger format. And then retailers will get better and smarter with aggregated and anonymized data to, to provide personalized. So there's going to be some confluence of those two data sources that I think will create that personalized environment. And then payment will just become a, you know, it will become a, once you know who I am and I feel comfortable with telling you who I am, that'll take a lot of the friction out of the process. I think there's some technology solutions around that, but I think just it's, it's really about knowing who you are and a trusted trusted identities. And again, that's where a, an offshoot of, of uh, crypto with just the blockchain and distributed ledger will help us and what we're doing there. So I, I think it'll be exciting time in retail for the next three to five years, definitely. You know, we've accelerated technology adoption uh, in the pandemic. You know, I've seen anybody say five, 10, 15 years. So, you know, pick, pick what you want, but it's an amazing transformation and acceleration of technology. And I think there's more to come because I think a lot of suboptimal decisions were made during the pandemic where retailers gave up a lot of control of their brands and their experience, and they're going to want to get that back. And, and so we're, we're taking that, like I said, that platform approach to give retailers control of their brand as they also roll out technology that can help them differentiate. No, that's that's an excellent point. I mean, I barely go out with my wallet anymore. I, I, I think I do like don't understand what's happening if I can't pay with my phone because <laughs> that's what I'm getting used to. And there's definitely areas that then they get me as a more loyal shopper just for that fact alone that I can order ahead or I can pay that way. Starbucks is an example of that for, you know, uh, see, uh, the pharmacies, a lot of them have it now too. And so, but again, as you mentioned, we're just scratching the surface. How do we take it? the next level. I don't want you to print out a coupon for me. I want that to then show up in my account. I want I want everything to be as fluid as possible. And I want you to know me a little bit more so that you're giving me the rewards and the incentives that are personalized to me. So I think it's it's exciting where it could go. I think, you know, consumers, it's all about us feeling that we're getting value out of the exchange that's happening of us sharing that data. And then, yeah, we'll see what happens with crypto. It's not new to the conversation. A lot of this stuff isn't new to the conversation, but one of the silver linings out of the pandemic is this, you know, necessity drove change and adoption from consumers. And so now it opens up the possibilities for the next few years. Agree. So thank, Agree completely. Yeah. So thank you so much for taking time with us today. Again, everybody, this is David Wilkinson, who's president and general manager at NCR Retail. Look forward to continuing to follow what you guys are doing and really appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thanks, Melissa. Thanks for having me.